Welcome back to another episode of Tough Questions About God. I'm a pastor in Arizona, and if you're listening in on a podcast from AZ Church, super happy that you're uh, joining us today. And if you're watching on YouTube, uh, you'll get the advantage of seeing some of the slides. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Desert Pastor. Desert Pastor. Not to be confused with Desert Pastor, which that would also be very appropriate for me. Uh, but no, just a, one S, Desert Pastor. <laughs> okay, let's talk about a very serious question that I get. And I've, again, it's asked in many different forms. But essentially, uh, the question is, why does God allow evil? It's such a straightforward question, isn't it? Uh, how can he let children suffer from cancer? I mean, that's just a, a horrible tragedy. And uh, we'll get to Job in a minute from the Old Testament scriptures. Uh, but in Job, it, it, the suffering seems to be about testing his faith. So is all evil out there just to test our faith? Or is there more to it? Um, this is one of the, at least one of the answers that people try to provide when they talk about this dilemma of evil existing with a, a good and loving God. Another idea some people have is without suffering, we wouldn't grow, right? Our, our faith wouldn't be stretched. Um, I don't know what you think about that. Um, another concept, of course, is that Christ transforms our suffering. So um, is it arbitrary or does God pick and choose who will have cancer? Who will have flood damage or whatever else that comes along? You know, this isn't a unique uh, question to Christians. It's not even a, uh, a new question. This has been around for centuries. And a Greek philosopher that lived uh, from 341 to 270 BC, his name was Epicurus. Uh, he summed up the dilemma like this. If he, he's talking about God, if he is willing to prevent evil but not able, then he is impotent. If he is able but not willing, then he is malevolent. If he is able and willing, whence then is evil? Why is there evil at all? And in the 19th century, philosophers picked up on his theme and they posed it as a challenge to those who believe in God. People called theists, people who believe in a deity. And for uh, uh, countless generations since Epicurus, all, you know, all the way down to the present time, this has been one of the biggest uh, uh, attempts to tear down our faith or our belief in God <clears throat> and uh, and that's the question uh, how can an all-powerful all-loving God coexist with evil and many people have attempted to answer the question in several different ways uh, and we have a word for that attempt to answer and that word is theodicy uh, it's a, probably a new word for a lot of people, but 
a theodicy, the, the, the root words there basically means that trying to justify God um, in the world, right? Bad things happen, whatever, storms, natural disasters. Well, we even refer to them as acts of God. So, so if we're going to explain how bad things happen, and uh, we've got these three truths that exist, which are uh, God is all-powerful, God is good and loving, and number three, evil exists. Uh, we have to address uh, this conundrum, if you will. And the first attempt to explain, uh, you know, is that maybe God isn't all-powerful. Or at least, you know, he's busy, right? He's got a whole universe to run. Uh, or he maybe he has to just let things play out. He's kind of, kind of let history take its course. Uh, this idea has actually been suggested by uh, Rabbi Kushner in his book, When Bad Things Happen to Good People. Uh, maybe God isn't quite all-powerful after all. And maybe we need to uh, be a little more understanding and cut him some slack. He's, he's kind of learning how to be God, just like we're learning how to be good human beings. At least that was the rabbi's solution in this book. And there's probably a lot of people who find it compelling. It does solve that uh, paradox of those three statements being true. Well, maybe the first one just isn't true. But for someone who believes in the God who has shown himself in Jesus and in scriptures, that solution just doesn't work. God has clearly shown himself to be all powerful. So, uh, the next option is to say that, well, maybe God isn't really good. Now, that's a scandalous thought and uh, to people who believe in God. But some people have tried this solution uh, for this conundrum. God is all-powerful, and he can do whatever he wants. It's just that he doesn't really give a rip about people. <laughs> um, he's just not that concerned. Now, this is certainly not an option for Christians. And so then we're just left with one more option. Just to say that evil does not exist. And at first glance, it may seem remarkable that anyone would suggest that uh, hurricanes that strike or storms that blow through or floods that destroy even whole cities uh, are not evil. When we experience these things, we know they are not good. And yet, when we're left with no other option, I mean, God is almighty, God is good and loving, we come to the suggestion that what we think is evil may not really be quite so evil. And as crazy as that sounds, there are many people who buy into it. And we have to be really careful here uh, because uh, what may happen is that we have redefined good and evil. We don't want to do that. It's very dangerous to say that, well, you know, you thought this was bad, but really, you know, this is a good thing. You know, imagine trying to console someone in the midst of a tragedy that what they are going through is not evil, but it's actually good. That would be 
heartless. It would be almost obscene to suggest such a thing. Evil exists and we experience it. Uh, you know, sometimes we can see evil things that, that turn out for good, but that doesn't diminish the fact that uh, there is evil and evil is very real. So you say, hey, wait a second, we just backed ourselves into a corner here, right? If all three uh, statements are true, uh, something doesn't fit. <laughs> why, wouldn't, why wouldn't God intervene? And so we're looking for an answer. And I'm going to be completely honest with you. Why does God allow evil? My answer, I don't know. I really don't know. Okay, but what I do know is this. It doesn't do us any good to answer that question. Why does God allow evil? It doesn't do us any good to even attempt to answer that question. In our human capacity, uh, we are just not on par with God and we can't answer. And so we simply affirm what the scriptures reveal to us about who God is. That God has revealed to us all that we need to know. He is almighty. He is loving. And obviously evil exists too. And when we try to answer the theodicy, uh, we try to defend God, justify God, we are dangerously putting ourselves on God's level, or at least we think we can uh, challenge God on our terms. And this is a, a widespread belief today. This is way too common, uh, that there are rules that apply across the board to us, to creation, to God. And so we try to pull God down and we try to make him operate on our level with our logic and our reason instead of letting God be God. There's a, a very danger with a theodicy of, of trying to justify God. It, it, it's very dangerous and it makes God less than God. We as Christians know that God is God, which uh, he is wholly other. He's completely different. He is not like us. God is God and we are not. God is almighty. God is loving and he is good. And God is working out his plan. And sometimes our perspective is just too short. I mean, we only see within a couple, maybe even three generations before us and Lord willing after us. But God is doing his plan and he's working everything out according to his timing. So we trust, we trust that God is as the, the creator of all, that he is working things out according to his purposes. Even though we can't figure it all out, even though we can't put all the pieces together where they, they make sense and all those you know, three truths that we listed uh, don't fit together in, in our logic and our reasoning. 
we know that God is almighty and that God is good and loving. And the fact is, uh, we actually have some evidence to back this up. And the best evidence is Jesus Christ. God is almighty and God cares. He joined us in this world of sin and suffering. And he bore our sins. He died on the cross for us. Now, why God doesn't intervene every time there is evil, I don't know. And I won't even begin to guess. Or uh, I won't even try to make a reasonable explanation because there just isn't one that we can cobble together or even comprehend. So application, what would you say to someone who asks you, how do you know that God cares for you? Well, there's some relief here for us. When things are going badly, we don't have to put on a face and say, ah, it's all right, it'll be fine. We can be honest. We can be honest with our friends and our family. This is a terrible thing. This is a really nasty thing. This hurts. I don't understand why this is happening. I don't know what's going on here. And at the very same time, we can say, but God is still God and he loves you and he loves me. And I know that because Christ is real, that he is present for me in the midst of this trouble. I know his love. I know his forgiveness. I know his promises and he will work things out. And that's the confidence that we have and that wonderful gift of just being honest, saying, I don't know, but I know God is God and I know he loves you and he's with you. Uh, back to Job, I mentioned at the beginning, he is uh, just the paramount example of suffering. <clears throat> I don't know if you know the story of Job, it's, it's probably the oldest story in the Bible, but one of the first stories ever written. Uh, that we have in scripture. It's ancient, absolutely ancient. And if you don't know the story, Job lost everything. His family, his health, his wealth, everything was taken away from him because God allowed it to happen. And we don't know why, but we know very clearly that God allowed Job to lose it all. And for 30 chapters, Job uh, and his friends are trying to figure out what happened and why it happened. How can this be? And finally, Job says, God, come down here and explain yourself. I want to have it out with you. Come down and put me on trial. I haven't done anything wrong. I don't deserve all of this bad stuff happening to me and my family and my life. There's no reason for this, God. And there's many times in uh, throughout the book of Job where Job says, man, if only I could have a face-to-face -face with God, then I would be satisfied. Job thinks if, if, if God would just simply come down and explain himself, answer the question, why is this happening to me? Then I'd be satisfied. 
And we've all had uh, that question in our minds before too. But here's the remarkable thing about Job. Uh, God gives him what he wants. God comes down and he says, okay, Job, let's talk. But before Job can even speak, God puts everything in perspective. Where were you, Job, when I created the world? Where were you when I created the mountains and the seas and all of the living creatures? And it goes on for three chapters. God reminds Job. And then Job replies, I repent. I spoke once. I will keep my mouth shut now. <laughs> and what Job learns is, is simply this. I don't need to know all the answers. Job says, I don't need to know the reason why. And he doesn't need to have God give him the big picture and let him know why God is doing this or why God is allowing that. Instead of trying to uh, dis, you know, uh, decipher uh, this theodicy, this great mystery, Job realizes Hey, I don't need to justify, I don't, need, I don't need to explain God, and I really shouldn't try. Anyone who, who does this uh, falls into the danger of putting themselves in the center. And it's their take on reality when they do that. Instead of just letting God be there. God's at the center. This is his universe. We're just living in it. And when we uh, deal with suffering appropriately, we simply trust that God is in control. So why is there suffering? I don't know. I, I kind of wish I did. It'll always kind of gnaw at me uh, when I'm suffering. Uh, it gnaws at me when I'm with others who are suffering. I'm trying to comfort them. And I think that if I could just give them the answer why, that it will help them. But that's not gonna help. You know, why do people experience horrendous events in their lives? I don't know. Why a car crash? Why a pandemic? I don't know. And if I try to give a, a, a quick and easy answer, I might relieve some of that pressure from myself, but I'm actually doing a grave injustice to who God is and what he is doing. And I'd be playing God. And I'm definitely not equipped to do that. And I'm definitely not bringing any real comfort to the person who's really hurting. I just ask you please to keep this in mind when you're talking with uh, family or friends uh, who are suffering, don't give any, any explanation, none. Oh, I've heard people say, and they mean it with the best intentions. Uh, oh, God needed another angel in heaven or no, don't give any explanation. Don't try to defend God. Don't try to justify God, why he allowed this or why he allowed that. It does not assuage the grief. It really doesn't. But what we can do is very simply point them to God's love for them in Jesus. There will be a day 
when all things will be made right. And that's our confidence and that's our hope in the face of great suffering. And I pray that God will always call that to your mind uh, when you face evil, when you walk with people who are suffering. Well, thanks for joining us uh, for this uh, tough question about God. Why does God allow evil? We don't know and we can't know, but what we do know is what God showed us in Jesus Christ. He is all powerful. He has power over death. He rose from the dead and he's all loving. He is providing for us forgiveness, a right relationship with our creator again, so that we will live forever in paradise and bliss and joy and peace and uh, perfect love and communion forever and ever and ever and ever. That's what we're looking forward to. That's what we know. Amen.